Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, guys and girls. The program you are about to hear will be both fun and educational, but it is not a substitute for medical advice. Although we are doctors, we are not your doctors. Hello, and welcome to Travel Medicine. As always, I'm your friendly neighborhood internal medicine doc, Dr. J. Hey guys, Dr. Santos here, pediatric infectious disease doc and researcher. We're a little distracted today because Santos and I were discussing prior to the recorder being turned on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of our favorite movies of all time. An, an amazing prophetic film. The peerless classic, Demolition Man. Demolition Man. <laughs> Starring Sylvester Stallone, Wesley and Snipes, and Sandra Bullock. <laughs> Sandra Bullock sees Josh. Before we turned on the the recording, you and I were just looking up like when does it happen, and the fictional metropolis of San Angeles happens in 2032, and, and that's not too far away. And <laughs> yeah, we we've got some very interesting changes happening in our society as we come towards a decade away from when. <laughs> well, Santosh, this is this is a perfect lead-in to what our episode was originally going to be, and now yeah. now we're going to mutate it. It's going to be a variant episode. Uh, <laughs> all right, that's fair. That's fair. I, I mean, you know, if we know anything about most of these, they'll catch on pretty. Quick. So, folks, originally we had planned for you everybody's favorite biweekly segment, a journal club. Yay! Yay! But a pandemic update, because, you know, it's a new year. We haven't done one of those in a while. There's a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We're going to be behind on a couple of these things, but I'll, I'll throw in some of the relevant stuff, including why everybody is sick right now. <laughs> this week, it's time for a pandemic update. So all the mm-hmm. studies, whether they are silly or serious, are going to be informing you about what's new with COVID-19. It's it's not the most lighthearted thing, but we'll, we'll do our best to, you know, crack a few jokes. First, <laughs> let's talk about what's on everybody's mind. Omicron. Santosh, you're our infectious disease doc. I think every phone call you get at work yeah. is basically <laughs> for some version of this now. Yeah, yeah. And so, okay, we're at a point right now at the time of this recording that it's completely taken over. So it's become just like Delta did previously, you know, just overwhelmingly 90 plus percent of the cases that we get. I think we're already, at least here in California, we're up to 94 percent. And it's just going to go ahead and, and take over because of how contagious this thing is. So the major things that we've tried to address is how this particular strain is acting, 
which we're we're getting data in now, you know, that we're seeing it more and more. And actually there's some hopeful news there. And then what treatments are available for this one? And I think more importantly, what treatments are no longer available or what don't work? And that largely has to do with a couple of the antibody cocktails that are FDA approved or EUA approved here in the United States. Now, a couple things right off the bat, because I'm sure that a lot of our listeners out there have heard some variation of, oh, this is the less infectious version. It's the next step in becoming the flu. You know, it's becoming more infectious, but less less serious, assuming you're vaccinated. Less virulent. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, and that's a big one, Josh, assuming that you're... So let's start with why that is. Where is it infecting or not? infecting you're, you're talking about where in the body or where on the planet oh no no it's everywhere on the planet uh yeah. <laughs> where in the body is omicron yeah. is omicron going that previous variants passed over or ignored yeah pa- passed on like they walked on by they just like winked at it and walked on by. here's the kind of interesting progress that we went through right so the ancestral variant so the probably the the very very original wild type that came out of wuhan and circulated around the world the scary thing about that is it descended uh, the way that a lot of coronaviruses do not it descended into the lungs and wreaked havoc there, or at the very least caused an inflammatory response that in our elderly population very specifically caused this horrible acute respiratory distress syndrome where your lungs just shut down. And it was very scary and very rapid. And this was the the worry that we all had that, oh, this is a pulmonary disease. We moved over to Delta, where that picture became a lot more acute. So we, the ancestral variant then would maybe take a while to kind of rev up. You'd have a little bit longer of an incubation period. Delta still got to the lungs, still really quite virulent, but causing lower respiratory tract illness predominantly. Not that it couldn't do other stuff, but that was the main thing. This particular variant, very interestingly, and now I'm seeing this more and more, Josh, because my pediatric population has absolutely exploded. So I'm seeing this now firsthand, that all of a sudden, you're you're still getting lower respiratory tract disease, but now we're getting the sniffles. So (laughs) we're getting uh, upper respiratory tract symptoms. So congestion, runny nose, watery eyes, the kind of things that you associate with colds and flus that normally circulate around this time of year in any non-COVID year. And that seems to be because Omicron likes to lodge much more, as you noted, up near the throat rather than getting into the lungs. Presumably, this is also going to prevent it from exchanging in the lungs into the capillaries and having some of the more longer acting vasculitic effects. But you know me and my my vasculitis theories. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I think the vasculitis theory is very, there's credence to it. But here's the problem right now and what we're kind of running up against as scientists We had a limited window kind of laboratory with the older strains of COVID where they're doing the things like you're talking about. So you'd have an acute phase, right? And then you'd have a post-infectious or kind of late infectious inflammatory phase that would kind of burn up the whole body. So in kids, we were seeing this phenomenon called NIST-C, which was a multi-system inflammatory syndrome or or, uh you know, really scary thing that where your whole body went red and you could get heart failure. In adults, it turned into pulmonary, you know, kind of inflammation and ARDS. Delta, less so, you know, it was a very acute disease, meaning like you got sick then and there. And Josh, this one, you're absolutely right. Everything seems to hit with Omicron very, very quickly. So you incubate the virus for a very short amount of time rather than like a few days. It's almost like 24 hours. It's a really quick turnaround. And then boom, you get sick right away. And then this is the scary part. If you're high risk or sometimes even if you're not, 
if you're unvaccinated for sure, you have a higher chance of getting really sick and you could die in that phase, or you turn around and get better like in a couple of days really, really quickly. And you're right, those kind of long haul and hangover signs and symptoms, we're not seeing those complaints right now. Although I'd like to wait and see because we had to wait a couple of months to see what long haul COVID looked like originally, right? We had to we had to see what happened to those folks who were getting infected. So yeah, this it does seem to be getting more and more acute like this, like very short, spiky kind of infection. Oh, my uninfected one. This is no fun. Cover <laughs> up your mouth or get my fluorona. <laughs> oh, God. Fluorona is a whole nother. I don't know that we're covering fluorona this episode, but we'll get to fluorona. Get your vaccination done. Or more than one. Get your vaccination <laughs> for my fluorona. <laughs> Never gonna stop. Jab it up. It's so infectious. It always seems too much. Then it comes back a new with a new version. My, 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 my. Achoo! My, my, my fluorona. See, that's the fun part about that song, because that the verse part is so freestyle that you can go ahead and just talk through the statement. I want to put in a little shout in there because you made a really, really good point. Super, super interestingly, Josh, when you get your vaccinations for COVID-19, and especially if we're able to get a booster, perhaps even if we get two boosters, you know, more than six months apart, so it's a four-shot series kind of thing. But if any of those are coupled with an influenza vaccine, there does seem to be kind of a non-specific cross-reactivity of like a T-cell response, which is more protective against either of these diseases than the vaccines alone would be against their individual targets. So this is kind of an interesting superpower that we can kind of flex if we can get people to, you know, get their flu shot as well as their COVID-19 vaccine. So especially all you doctors and nurses out there that are listening, please, please, please get flu vaccine in there and uh, COVID-19 series as much as possible. So not just stopping fluorona, but actually individually, you know, making COVID less severe and making flu less severe. It's it's a cool, cool thing that's going on right now. That does bring (laughs) us uh, rather well into our first study, uh, which does focus on mixing vaccines. Now in the beginning, uh, the guidance was, you know, Whatever shot you get, stick with it. You don't change horses mid-race. However, (laughs) it turns out that may not actually be the ideal solution. And a study into COVID vaccines found that people actually have higher or longer lasting levels of immunity when they receive the first dose of a couple specific vaccines, in this particular case, AstraZeneca or Pfizer, followed by a Moderna or Novavax shot compared to two shots of the same vaccine. Now, we're not talking logarithmic, exponential, humongous differences, but we are talking noticeable ones. And while it's a relatively small study, it seems to suggest the mix-and-match approach might be the ideal, which is going to be great for you know folks where maybe one brand is running low or it's easier to ship out uh, based on storage. Josh, this actually, it wasn't a super new concept. This is a very, very good illustration of how science builds on, you know, small little stepping stones of knowledge as we accumulate it over time. So we have actually papers and studies going back to September and October of 2021 that showed that for Delta, If you did two different COVID-19 vaccines, you could have at least on par protection that you would get if you used a a series from a single manufacturer. And I think more importantly than that, Josh, is we were seeing that the safety profile was okay, meaning that you weren't seeing an increase in adverse events if you started with one particular series and then went to another. 
Now, all that being said, the best data seems to actually show that if you have a non-mRNA vaccine, so if you start with, for instance, the Chadox, which is uh, manufactured by AstraZeneca, and then you follow it up by getting uh, one of the vaccines either by Moderna or Pfizer after completing the original series with the the Chadox vaccine, that seemed to really provide that kind of extra step boost that would, you know, provide broader protection. We're still learning about the effect of this with Omicron and heaven knows it's probably going to have to be retested, you know, when every other new variant comes through uh, for as, you know, for however long we need. But the data kind of stacked over time going all the way back September, all the way through to December of 2021, um, when we got, you know, this beautiful article from The Lancet, um, where we could study this phenomenon properly and stand on the shoulders of giants, right? And and actually build up the state of piece by piece. So it, it's so quick, but at the same time, it's a beautiful illustration of how science kind of builds towards the truth. This particular one was a small study. It was only a thousand people and all of them were mm-hmm. over 50. It wasn't a randomized study. They This was a backdated kind of analysis, a meta-analysis. I do want to give props uh, to the corresponding author of this paper in the Lancet, Dr. Matthew D. Snape. <laughs> Looks like someone was paying attention in potions class. What if he faked his own death and then like showed up as, you know, this other doctor to, you know, force everyone bring, else to eat their words, wonderful. to force everyone else to eat their words, a death eater, as it yeah. were. Exactly right. It's just, I showed you, and now he's a hero. Absolutely. Um, So the researchers (laughs) found levels of antibodies 17 times higher in those individuals who got their first shot of AstraZeneca followed by Moderna, or four times higher when the first shot was AstraZeneca followed by Novavax. So you are still seeing some pretty clear differences between the different vaccines, as we've said. Meanwhile, for those who got Pfizer first, once, if it followed up with Moderna, antibodies were 1.3 times higher than just Pfizer alone. So it seems like that two mRNA ones are mm-hmm. maintaining roughly the same effectiveness, but the more traditional ones are very well boosted by a follow-up from a different kind of vaccine. This is a really interesting phenomenon that we've been following for a long time, Josh, mRNA vaccines are really, really simple, right? So other component vaccines, you have to add something that is an adjuvant, which means it boosts the immunogenicity. You may need a preservative, all these kinds of things. The mRNA vaccines are not like that. They're really simple. You've got some sort of a nanoparticle, which encloses the mRNA, and that's it. It's usually suspended in saline. But very, very interestingly, the mRNA molecule itself seems to act as a kind of immune booster. So even before the protein is created, the the mRNA is read and translated out into a spike protein, that that's the actual antigen. The mRNA particle itself seems to function as an antigen. So that's an, it's not proven that that's what's going on here. But knowing what we know about that, it makes sense that you start with a different type of a platform and then you introduce an mRNA vaccine and you get this really cool boost. Another good reason to get vaccinated, uh, not so much a study as just a general public service announcement. There is, mm-hmm. <laughs> unsurprisingly, now coming up a national shortage of Decadron. That's the main steroid that we use to treat everybody in the hospital with COVID <laughs> because they're short of yeah. breath. Doesn't mean... The one that actually saves your life when you have severe lung disease, like that that super cheap steroid medication, yeah, we're running out. And it's <laughs> it's an IV medication. This is not something you can go run and sweep off the shelves at Costco. <laughs> yeah. Vaccination will prevent you from having to wonder if you will be at the hospital that has suddenly run out of... The IV decade. If you do end up in the hospital, highly, highly likely that you'll stay out of the ICU and off of oxygen, and you'll just need, you know, some IV fluids for a bit and just 
um, you know, fever and being watched for a while instead of like, you know, going down hard. A finally, the first emergency use authorization has been issued for a pill, an oral drug to treat COVID. The Pfizer's Paxlovid, uh, which is this is from December twenty second. So within the last week or so, last couple weeks. Yeah. And I will say that we've got Paxlovid. I believe Molnupiravir is ready for prime time as well. Right. Which is and which I love because it's actually time. named after Mjolnir. Uh, so it yeah, is. It is. <laughs> it is meant to treat those who are worthy. It is. Yeah, this was December 2021. And yeah, so Paxlovid generically is Nirmatrelivir Ritonavir. (laughs) And if anyone out there recognizes the second one, Ritonavir, that is because that one is a boost for an antiretroviral. Um, it, It in and of itself is not the one that's used for its antiviral activity. It's used to kind of boost the levels of the first one, the nirmatrelivir, so that the drug level stays higher in the blood for a longer period of time. So it it alters the half-life. Now, straight off the press release, hot off the presses, uh, it is (laughs) not meant for pre-exposure prevention or post-exposure. So this is not like, ah, no, I'll just take the pill and I'll be fine. This is for, and it's also not for initiation of treatment if you have to go to a hospital. Uh, so this is not for severe critical disease. Yeah. Yeah. This is if you're at high risk and, you know, please, yes, still get vaccinated, everything like that. But if you're at high risk for severe disease, but early on you have mild to moderate disease, meaning that in any other circumstance, you could be treated and observed at home with things like rest and hydration. Then in that case, these medications do a fairly good job, Josh, actually, of keeping you out of the emergency room and out of the uh, the hospital admission. Right. And this kind of works very similar to uh, Tamiflu in that when you have had a known exposure and you are showing early, mild to no more than moderate symptoms, you take this medication twice a day for five days. It is given via prescription from your primary care doc. You take it twice a day for five days, and it is meant to help clear up those more asymptomatic or milder cases. If you have any difficulty breathing, they do still say you should go to the emergency room. Of course, it's not going to prevent every single case from staying out of the ER or out of the hospital. So when you begin on either one of these medications, so right now you're talking about the the Paxlovid combination. As soon as you start them, you should be under the care of a physician who understands, you know, what the risks and the benefits are, and they should be observing for any worsening symptoms. Because if you get to a point where you need supplemental oxygen, you need support that can only really be provided at a hospital, that medication should be stopped and you need to get admitted so that you can be taken care of on a more like escalated level. Now, before this turns into some, you know, sad rock or person flying a kite drug commercial, let's talk about the study that that supported (laughs) this EUA data, this emergency use authorization. Uh, The study was called Epic HR, and it was a randomized double-blind placebo-controlled trial that looked at non-hospitalized symptomatic adults who had to be 18 or older with a risk factor or just 60 years or older in general. All of these people were unvaccinated, much like a lot of the hospital population. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And to be very fair, you know, in, in terms of like, there wasn't any encouragement to not be vaccinated and try this instead. This was either you couldn't get a hold of the vaccine or there was a genuine medical exemption to get vaccinated. And the main outcome measure was the proportion of people who, you know, were taking the drug, uh, who were hospitalized, you know, essentially still had to be hospitalized due to COVID or died from any cause during the following month. And looking at over a month, 
the drug did significantly reduce the proportion of people who had to then be hospitalized or who died from any cause, whether COVID or unrelated, by 88% compared to the placebo group. Seems like it's pretty effective. Yeah. (laughs) Now, for the love of God, everybody, this is not a substitute for vaccination, okay? Especially in the United States where good vaccines are in plentiful supply versus we do not know the supply chain and we don't know if it could get cut for either of these other modalities. So whether it's the nirmatrelivir or tonavir or the molnupiravir, you know, please do, don't bank on it. Just, <laughs> this, is, this is meant to kind of supplement or, you know, give you an extra boost if you're really like a high-risk person, if for whatever reason you could not get back. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Or even if you were vaccinated, but you're still at high risk for getting severe disease. So we don't want to be handing these out to everybody. Okay, we want to be reserving these for people who really, really need it. And uh, at least in my institution, Josh, and probably for you too, there have been very kind of severe restrictions placed right now as to, you know, where it can be ordered for why, that kind of a thing. We actually have to check through a checklist uh, to make sure we're not abusing these medications. Oh, it's for us, it's restricted. Only our infectious guys can do it in hospital and, you know outpatient it's i don't know what the primary uh requirements are but (laughs) now that we've talked about you know first what omicron is why it's different how you're catching it then we moved on to one of these newer treatments meant for mild cases Mm non-hospital requiring but let's say you do get hospitalized that kind of brings us to our next story Uh, i'm going to start with the headline and We'll circle back around to how it connects. I know we're doing this story in the new year, but this, I think, was my favorite headline from <laughs> from at least the back half of 2021. You know, the, as the last bits of 2021 were kind of spiraling into history. Yeah. And this one kind of popped out. So uh, yeah, here we absolutely. go. Scientists keep inventing ways for pigs to breathe via their rectum. my favorite part of that whole blurb is keep keep not scientists invented a way oh hey cool we found a way for pigs to breathe through their butts nope one way wasn't enough we've got multiple ways i i don't know if we're going to be able to find in the archive josh because and the reason that you put this one in here i know it because we have spoken about this before. <laughs> this is this is a running, you know, we're, we're following these developments as they come along. We're going whole hog this on this story. Whole hog, because this is absolutely not the first time but that we've picked that on the story. Yeah. It's it's not the first time. We, yeah, it's not the first time we've picked that on the story. But yeah, yeah. But it is the first time that it's tied to COVID. So here's the follow-up actual <laughs> medical one, and then we'll get into the story. But essentially, <laughs> flushing flushing trillions of tiny oxygen bubbles through the rectum increases increases blood oxygen in pigs and therefore could be an alternative to ventilation for people with damaged lungs. Don't want to be intubated? Are we out of intubators? Good news! (laughs) Good news! 
<laughs> Straight out of the professor's <laughs> good news. It's a suppository. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or like when uh, Fry goes to uh, Dr. Zoidberg's office and he holds up a tube and says, well, first I have to insert this in you. And Fry opens his mouth and Zoidberg says, guess again. Yes, again. <laughs> so, uh, so this story is just, it's its delightful. It's delightful on every level. <laughs> Hold on. Well, but let's start off. Let's start off because we do have a previous episode where we've spoken about this. And the long and short of it is, <laughs> the long and short of it is, you are not able to take in oxygen through your lungs because your lungs are shot, okay? Right now, we have a really kind of scary modality called extracorporeal membrane oxygenation, or ECMO, where you can actually take the blood out, run it through an oxygenator, and then send it back, which has all kinds of complications with it. So how else can you deliver oxygen is the question. And so the genesis of all of this, all the way back in the 1990s, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when we were doing, you know, originally developing micro bubbles for like ultrasound scans, right? But we we were finding out that like we need some other interface in the body where you can get oxygen into the bloodstream while the lungs heal up. So you're able to rest the lungs, but not use something as drastic as cannulating the aorta or the jugular and, and, you know, sending the blood through all these tubes where you can get an infection and all these kind of things. So this kind of came around like, well, if you dissolve the oxygen in some sort of a liquid and you deliver it to the, you know, not rectum, but actually to the colon, that's quite good at absorbing oxygen. Then you get oxygen delivery and your butt breathes for you josh your butt breathes (laughs) and this was trialed in pigs because kind of anatomically and physiologically this is one of the best test animals to show if this could be viable in humans right so that's why pigs boofing pig butts yeah (laughs) yeah so we're not this is not like the end all of just like we're gonna be like getting like breeding like butt-breathing pigs, this is actually leading to something. (laughs) I mean, compared with pure oxygen gas, tiny bubbles. (laughs) Tiny bubbles enormously increase the surface area, which allow more oxygen to diffuse through the colon into the bloodstream, thereby reaching the other tissues as well as the lungs. Uh, so the researchers are now seeking the go-ahead. Now that this has proven successful in pigs, they're seeking the go-ahead to do safety tests in healthy volunteers. <laughs> Let that sink yeah. in for a moment. Um, <laughs> now, yeah, yeah. Very often, people with COVID nineteen come into hospitals with very low oxygen levels. As we've said, that that is one of the reasons that should bring you. And yeah, yeah, oh, that's that's one of the main reasons for admission. Now absolutely. we are we have reached way points during various waves where there are not enough ventilators, uh, and that's not even counting folks who really wouldn't benefit from being put on a ventilator, which can have its own harmful side effects if you're on it for prolonged periods. They can be things as simple as vocal cord irritation or dysfunction from having a tube down your throat for a prolonged period to longer term needing a trach to always require some degree of ventilation in folks who may have either had pre-existing lung disease or have a lot of comorbid other conditions. So ventilation, while it is a, a treatment, is not necessarily a solution. And these pig tests lasted only a few hours, but the reason they want healthy volunteers is to start seeing if they can keep somebody's oxygen up through the butt over longer periods. What, what? In the butt. So <laughs> with the colonic delivery method, it could be a long-term sustaining therapy for severely injured patients or those with difficult anatomy. Uh, <laughs> I just, I just want to be able to walk up 
to my fellow neighborhood-friendly gastroenterologist. <laughs> we need you to intubate this patient. We need you to intubate this patient. And he's like, I think you need... Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I know exactly what I know. Yes, again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so... There. And then all the, all the pulmonologists, like, fighting like a turf war. <laughs> it's like, no, no, I do butts now. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't. You can't have that. What do you mean? It's a breathing organ. I do breathing organs. Proctologists finally getting the spotlight, <laughs> where the sun usually doesn't shine. Yeah, right. Anesthesia <laughs> calling up proctology. I need you to shove something where the sun don't shine. <laughs> this is such a really honestly josh it's we're goofing about this a ton but there are so many advantages here so they took 12 pigs weighing between 40 and 50 kilograms which in the imperial system is how much santosh uh up to about 120 pounds yeah so we're really looking at like in america i don't know teenagers maybe yeah uh wait did i get that right yeah yeah it's It's roughly doubled, you know. Um, So they took 12 pigs weighing about 40 to 50 kilograms and exposed them to smoke. After two days of this, their blood oxygen saturation had dropped to about 66% on average. Uh, By comparison, when we see a lot of people come into the hospital with COVID, at least at my facility or institution these days, if we're admitting them, they're usually dropping uh, into less than 90 usually somewhere in the 80s and we say you need to be in so these pigs were so down to 66 percent less than yeah so the threshold that we're aiming for is a lot less than what was studied in this particular you know. now animals that weren't treated so treatment went on for about a little over two hours and they had this colonic infusion of micro bubbles and this raised half the pigs the treatment group to 81 percent saturation so still low but significantly better than 60%. Whereas after the same amount of time, the pigs in the control group that did not get the oxygen colonic uh, fell to 53%. So they continued to drop to dangerously low levels. 81%, Josh, you're absolutely right. It's not great, but in terms of keeping the brain alive and the tissues healthy, it's it's sustainable for some period of time. So it's definitely not, if you get down to the 60s kind of percent, there's imminent brain death coming up, you know, unless you do something pretty damn fast. Now, remember how I said scientists keep inventing ways for pigs to breathe through their (laughs) rectum? Yeah, yeah, because, you know, we started off before just with like straight up oxygen and then we're we're basically improving the delivery more and more depending on like the mixtures and stuff that we're going with, right? Yeah, well, uh, Takenori Takebe at the Tokyo Medical and Dental University carried out a very <laughs> similar study. <laughs> I know the dental part has done. <laughs> He wasn't using the dental part, Santosh. No, no. He said, where are you going, doctor? I'm going to put oxygen up this patient's rectum. But you're a dentist. Yes. Yes, I am. I am your dentist. (laughs) And I enjoy the oxygen I inflict. Okay, so this is from back in May of 2021. And he wondered, If people could absorb oxygen through their intestines, which happens in some freshwater fish, you know, that's how they breathe. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so he's kind of the one who first sort of came up with the idea of like, ah, you know what? The rectum is lined with a membrane that allows absorption of compounds. I wonder if oxygen's one of them. And he used, rather than tiny microbubbles, he used a fluid called a perfluorocarbon, which is a specially formulated fluid that can hold high levels of oxygen, like more than usual. Uh, you may yeah. have seen it in uh, a breathing liquid in the film The Abyss, or, or in the film <laughs> Demolition Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, given to the wonderful Sylvester Stallone character right before he's 
frozen in time later to be thawed in the year 2032. Yeah, so that that was used in the abyss as a breathing liquid. So he said, what if I didn't use it as a liquid for the the lungs? uh, Because that's what it is. It's currently investigated as a use to help the lungs of premature babies um, and therefore non-toxic. So he Mm -hmm. instead gave pigs enemas. Uh, he put them on a ventilator that gave them a lower breathing rate than normal rather than exposing them to smoke, which is a more nat- natural exposure, I guess, than induced. Yeah, um, yeah so he, he anesthetized them so they were basically dependent on the ventilator. And then he slowed down the rate so that the oxygen level like kind of dropped artificially that way. Now, <laughs> in the case of the oxygen liquid, this had to be repeated once an hour uh, for you know a couple different hours rather than a single continuous infusion. But again, raised the oxygen levels of the pigs fairly significantly. And if there is a similar sized effect in people, he hypothesized that it would be very useful in low income countries that don't have ventilators because they're expensive and need medical specialized medical staff to manage. This is just a simple enema that almost any healthcare worker can be trained to give. You can't bring a big mechanical ventilator into the field, right? If you're an EMT, for instance. So that's why you have bag mask ventilation where you're actually, you have to physically squeeze and squeeze like this to get the oxygen to circulate. (laughs) If the, well, no, but if the, if the person's neck is kinked, if you can't move it, if you're not able to get an airway, sometimes you have to perform a field tracheostomy and do it that way. Like these are all kind of dangerous things. If you could just pull the pants down and just put a quick catheter up the bum, which actually is, weirdly easy (laughs) weirdly easy especially in an unconscious person and then you just infuse the uh, perfluorocarbon solution into there right and now okay well the person's oxygenating let's move them let's get them into the hospital where they can get you know proper covers like things like that i too big butts and i cannot lie (laughs) you other medics can't deny (laughs) when the floral car when the perfluoral carbons go in with an itty bitty waist and the tube is in your and the lube gets in the face you can breathe out of the face (laughs) 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 okay sorry carry on you're trying to you're trying too hard to shove this in. It's not going to fit. <laughs> I did want to mention one other cool thought about this though, because we were in the midst of the horror of the pandemic when we went over to places like India, or we had other countries where there were shortages of supplies like oxygen tanks, right? Because they're big, cumbersome things. Because the concentration of oxygen in these perfluorocarbons can be so high, if you can get this delivery method right, that means that you can transport a lot more life-saving material in a much easier and compact way to get it around so that you're not worried about, oh my gosh, I'm running low on tanks. So yeah, there's all kinds of advantages to this kind. I'm excited about these. I really, really am. Yeah, so we'll see which of those two ends up making... Uh, greater inroads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We we do have another problem, which is you're oxygenating right now, but somehow, somehow, the other part of what the lungs really do is it releases or gets rid of the byproduct, which is carbon dioxide. And that's just as dangerous, Josh, if you have a buildup of CO2 rather than a deficit of oxygen. So uh, getting oxygen is oxygenation getting rid of co2 is ventilation if we don't get the ventilation part down somehow so that maybe the fluid absorbs co2 from the butt oh so you're saying you're saying that the butt will need a way to express gas as well as absorb it (laughs) yeah exactly right you have to be able to extract the co2 from the bloodstream to get into the butt and then you could fart it out absolutely but that's that's another thing in and of itself. So we have to get that part of it right, too, before this really works. Somewhere out there are children thinking to themselves, this, this is my calling to be a scientist. Yeah. 
Oh, uh, dude, that's the coolest part about this. A billion percent that there are at least a few kids that are geeking out about this right now. And they're, I don't know, 15, 16 years old. And they're future Nobel Prize winners. I guarantee you this. And if they credit us on this podcast for the inspiration, I will be forever grateful for them. Uh. There is one last serious thing to cover before we wrap it up for today. Uh, Santosh, you had mentioned that unfortunately we are now, while a lot of things are looking slightly better on many fronts for COVID, we have unfortunately lost uh, one of our main tools or one of our treatments. Yeah, yeah. And I'm so sorry, Josh, because this is one of your favorites. We, oh, we no. lost the Black Betty. Oh, Bam Lamb? We, we lost the Bam Lamb. Oh. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. We lost the old Black Betty, Bam Lamb, and Infamab. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's a shame. Yeah, I know. I wanted to bring this one up because you were so happy when this antibody was originally named. <laughs> You, <laughs> number one, you introduced me to this song, Oh, Black Betty, just so I could get the earworm. <laughs> and then after that, yeah, it was, it was stuck. But now, unfortunately, we have, we have lost it. So there are two monoclonal antibody cocktails, so-called. So both of them are a combination of two monoclonal antibodies. One is made by the company Regeneron, and the other one is made by the company Eli Lilly. The Eli Lilly, Josh, is the one that combines Bamlanivimab with Edisevimab. And you, uh, you <laughs> uh, the other one uh, that we have uh, by, by Regeneron, these two, unfortunately, have very, very poor efficacy against the uh, Omicron variant. So we do have a very, very small slice of the population where, you know, maybe you're, you have access to sequencing or something like that. And you find out you have Delta or an older variant rather than Omicron right now, it's, it's going to be less and less common, but those folks may benefit outpatient from receiving these monoclonal antibody cocktails However, those people, and this is now the vast majority, and it's now probably within the next couple of weeks, it's going to be the absolute 100%. If you have the Omicron variant, then your chances of improving or avoiding hospitalization by getting either of these monoclonal antibody cocktails, actually, the benefit goes away. So because of this, um, I, I, and I actually think this was very responsible on the part of Eli Lilly and Regeneron, they partnered with the uh, you know, United States government and the FDA, and they actually just pulled distribution of their antibody cocktails. All right. And they just said, you know what, we know we're not providing any benefit. It shouldn't even be offered. It shouldn't be put out there. So we're going to go ahead and pull it. There is one manufacturer, GlaxoSmithKline, which makes another monoclonal antibody called uh, Sotrovimab. That one still seems to have activity against Omicron. We don't know if its efficacy, like its real world efficacy, will dip or change or anything like that. But for right now, that particular monoclonal antibody, the sotrovimab, is workable. And you can use that in the same kind of way that the antivirals that we talked about earlier can be used for mild to moderate disease in high-risk individuals to help keep them out of the hospital. So this is what I'm saying, Josh. We got to not abuse these tools that we have whereas the excellent genuine preventative tools that we have which is vaccination we should be using them appropriately to protect each other well when they close a monoclonal antibody door they open a molnupiravir window so (laughs) 
I love that. That's very poetic. Yeah, they open an antiviral window. So uh, that's it for this week's pandemic update. As always, we'd mm. love to hear your comments, questions, and mm-hmm. feedback. Uh, oh, you yes. can, f- If you'd like to support us spiritually, emotionally, or financially, links to do that are in the show notes, along with links for further reading. Uh, this show is produced by me with a lot of help from Dr. Santos and friends. Our theme music is by Rachel Leisure. And as always, until next time, wash your hands, wear a mask, get your shot, look up a country that's still accepting people, assuming the Omicron wave is over. And Ooh, once you and once you've done it, get tested. And once you've done all that, happy travels. <laughs> happy travels, everybody. All right. And we'll launch right into our short in five, four, three, two, one, and deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.